0: Dave, the majority of the private money that you've raised, have you done it with one-on-one conversations or have you done any kind of group presentations like uh, private lender luncheons?
1: i did i you know what and i have not thought about this in so long jay it's so funny to have this memory i remember because we've done a ton of turnkey sales you know and that's just now tell my
0: audience what a turnkey sale is a
1: turnkey sale is where we buy a home with private money and we fix it up and we get it rented out and then instead of keeping it as a rental we sell it to another investor Who's wanting to buy a rental property, but maybe they live in California, but they want to invest in Ohio where the numbers make much more sense. Right. That's really how we built a lot of, through the early years. We were strictly, I mean, it was it was very difficult to wholesale back then because the market was different. But you know, we had a whole flipping business of selling turnkey properties. And then we would, you know, manage the property for the person that we sold to. So we've done a ton of that. And I remember one time being out in California. We used to take these trips to California and make presentations to buyers, you know, because we used to sell turnkey properties out in California. So one event that really I'm I'm thinking about here, I felt outmatched, Jay. There was all these other turnkey people who were way more experienced than I was and I was like I can't even compete with these guys. So I went up there, not even, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to show my product. Their product looks way better than mine. This was the early years. So I just completely flipped the script and I just said, hey, this is what we're doing. We're buying rental properties. If anybody's interested in maybe like a JV type of arrangement or something like that, I'm happy to discuss that with you. You know, we, we borrow private money from people all the time. It could be passive for you and we'll be out there in the streets doing the work. I flipped and everything. Everybody wanted to do business with me and nobody even bought any of the turnkey properties. And, and we still have money on the grid today. It just literally came as a light bulb. I'm like, I can't compete with these guys because their rehabs look amazing. Their properties look way better than ours do. I'm not even going to show any pictures of our properties. Hey, let's just see if anybody wants to partner up and, and do this with us. Sure enough, man, we raised a bunch of money.
0: Well, hey, look, you know why that works so amazingly well for you. You saw what everybody else was doing and you did the opposite.
1: <laughs> I did. Yeah, really. I mean, and that just came from fear, you know, because I was the young buck in the in the room. So it all turned out pretty well. But I have not thought about that in, in several years. That's really the only group type of thing I have done. The majority of it is more of a one-on-one type of thing. And, and that's how it is. You know, you train these people to be a lender and sometimes you fire them as a lender. I, mean, I don't know in your experience, if you've ever fired a lender, you ever deal with a private lender who's just constantly calling you every single week and wanting to know how it all works and when do I get paid back this and that? And I'm I said, hey, look, you realize we did a three-year term here. Don't do it. You <laughs> term. You want to get paid back immediately. Like, it really works. So there's, t- there's been times in the past as well, Jay, where we've had to fire a lender. We've turned them down because it's just that it's not, You know, conducive to do business with somebody who is just that worried, it's probably gonna lead to just a lot of wasted time.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, the the closest I've come to firing a private lender is telling them no. And here's what I mean by that. You know, I've got a very simple private lending program. I offer a interest rate, it's all collateralized and secured by the single family house. And that's the rate they get. In fact, Dave, you've probably heard me say in all the millions of dollars I've raised in private money, I've yet to ask for any money. We don't ask for money. We make the program available. And if they're interested, then, you know, we'll call them back up with a deal. But anyway, I had a private lender a few years ago that had done a few deals with me. And he anyway, he was loaded, retired. Anyway, he called me up and says, Jay, you know, I I like your private lending program, but I don't want to be a private lender anymore. I want to be a joint venture partner and get a piece of the action because I want some of the equity. I said, great. You need to find yourself another real estate investor to do business with. He said, what do you mean? I said, I don't do that program. I said, I do what's best. I do the deals. I find the deals. We find them, we rehab them, we sell them. And my private lenders do what they're best at. And that is loan money, sit home, collect check, and that's it. And of course, you can guess what happened after that. We continue to do business because where else is he going to get this deal, right? And so, you know, I tell people, stand your ground. You got your program. You know, I don't blame him. I mean, you know, his greed glands were starting to swell up in his neck. And I can't blame him for, you know, so I just had to help him get his greed glands under control.
1: I like it. Yeah.
0: Stand your ground, keep your, keep your program. Okay. So we got private money. Okay. Let's talk about finding the deals, Dave, baby. I mean, I don't care what your exit strategy is or anybody's exit strategy. If you're buying hold, you know, build a portfolio like you've done or you're flipping and you're flipping some, or if you're a wholesaler, and you know your exit strategy is assignment fees or whatever you got to find the deals so you're in columbus ohio right now by the way let me just tell everybody that might be in the columbus ohio area and they don't have to be in the columbus ohio area if you want to get a high rate of return safely and securely we're going to give you dave's contact information here at the end of the show and when you got a guy that's done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals a safe place to, you know, invest your uh, liquid capital or your retirement funds. Anyway, we'll give that information out to you. So anyway, you're up there in the Columbus, Ohio area. What is hot and working now, Dave, on finding these off-market properties?
1: First and foremost, that's a great question. And I really can't stress this enough, especially if you're you're somewhat new, it is better to be a sniper than a shotgun. You've got to know what to go after. You've got to have that clarity. Don't just blanket the whole area and county full of all your marketing and direct mail. We do a lot of direct mail. We can start there. But I'm not blasting mail out because it's expensive and I'm cheap. Jay, I mean, and by the way, in your experience, and maybe you can uh, attest to this as well, The private money lenders out there, they don't really like the big flashy guy who looks all cool and hot. They want to know that the person that they're doing business with is a good steward of money. So when a private money lender wants to do lunch or something like that, I'm meeting them over at Panera. I'm not getting, you know, prime rib and steak. That's not how this business works with these private money lenders. It is a relationship kind of thing. But with the being a good steward of money, I don't want to just blanket a whole area full of all those different postcards and this and that. I would rather be a sniper. So you got to know what to go after. And I do know what to go after. So I only want to go after homes where the rent to value ratio makes sense. So I don't want a home that's worth you know, four hundred and fifty thousand, but it's only gonna rent for two thousand dollars a month. That rent and value ratio is way out of whack. I ideally want the value and the rent to be one percent
0: or greater. So let's boil that down. Let's let's talk, let's keep it simple. And these figures are not going to relate to California, but let's just keep the math simple. Now are you talking the as-is value or the after repaired value or the value of that single family house in a good rentable condition. Define value.
1: Thank you for for slowing me down so I can clarify. Sometimes I get on a roll, but I'm talking about the after repair value and I'm talking about what it will rent for after it's fixed up. So let's say the after repair value is $100,000. In my world, it's gotta rent for $1,000 or more per month. It's gotta rent for at least 1% or better.
0: Okay. So does that play out if it's worth $150,000, it's got to rent for 1500
1: Yeah, Yeah, it does. And that's a good rule of thumb to live by. So here's the thing. There's going to be a cap in every market because you know where your rental rates are for your local market. And for me... I do cap it off at about 50, uh, at you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollar after repair value houses because in my marketplace, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house is not renting for fifteen hundred a month. It's down to fourteen hundred to thirteen hundred. So you see, I start to slip below the one percent rule when I get up and around one fifty. Now, let me clarify something else here. That's the cap. Now, there's also a minimum because we could find things that are going to be way bigger than the 1% rule. Let's pretend a house that's after repair value 50 that we could rent for nine fifty a month. Well, that's way better than 1%, but I don't want those houses either, Jay. I don't want the too low end of homes because... It gives me less options and it's a harder clientele to work with. It gives me less options because banks, yeah. as you probably know, banks are only really willing to lend to investors like us. If I wanted to refinance, the bank is only willing to give me 75% of the value. Now, the bank also has a minimum loan amount of $50,000. So, if the minimum loan amount is 50,000 and I can only borrow a loan for 75% of the value, something needs to be worth at least 70, 75,000, or the bank is not even ever going to refi me. I lose that whole exit strategy and lose the option to do that at some point in the future. So for me personally, I want it to be below 150, but I want it to be above That 90,000, that's my sweet spot. I don't want it to be too low end for many reasons. Number one, they're harder to manage. A lot of times those properties are older and need more work. And then also, you know, if I wanted to refinance, oftentimes the bank is not willing readily to lend on the lower end stuff. So I found my sweet spot to be in affordable housing where the rent to value ratio is 1% or greater. And I like to be 90 to 150 is where I play ball.
0: So let me give you a real life scenario, okay? And give me your thoughts on it. So I've got this single family house that I bought here in Moorhead City, North Carolina. I bought it, oh, just a few weeks ago. It's a pretty house. Literally, it needs nothing. I mean, it's pretty. It's a three bed, two bath. It's got 1,400 square feet. The appraised value easy right now is $150,000, okay? It will rent for 1,000 a month, okay? I bought it for $100,000. So I got different exit strategies here, all kinds of exit strategies. I got, I got this beautiful home. I mean, literally, it needs nothing. You say, Jay, how in the world did you buy a $150,000 home in Moorhead City For $100,000, it will appraise for $150,000 and in a rent for $1,000 a month, what happened? Well, just real quick, the people had it in MLS. They had three full price offers. Find out it's got a $7,000 foundation issue that needs to be fixed that you wouldn't be able to tell just by walking around in the house. And they want to buy their dream home and they've got to close in three weeks. And if they don't close in three weeks... They are losing their dream home, so they're willing to sell it to me. And they put money in their pocket for hundred thousand. So again, here's the numbers. It's worth one hundred and fifty. I ain't rent it for a thousand. I bought it for hundred thousand with private money. Okay, so at seven percent, all right, I'm less than seven hundred a month on my outgo. So Dave, what's my exit strategy? I mean, I can cash out on it and pocket a check. I can rent it out for positive cash flow. I can turn it into an Airbnb. What do I do with this house?
1: Well, we got got to get more information first because there's different purchase options as well. My question is this, when did they buy this property?
0: I don't know when they bought. Well, let's see, when did they buy it? I know they bought it long ago enough for it to have about Fifteen thousand dollars equity, so their payoff is like eighty five thousand dollars. But I don't know how long ago they bought it.
1: So I mean, what, where my mind goes as acquisition specialist is, hey, do they have a mortgage? Did they already have a mortgage on it? If so, what was the rate on that? Because you know, chances are that mortgage was so far deep, you know, 20, 15, 20 years into the mortgage, that sucker's paying down principal like no other. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I would have bought it subject to, but oh, I yeah. couldn't buy it subject to because that would have prevented them from buying their okay. dream
1: home. That was my next question. Did they need to sell in order to buy the Yeah, their because
0: that's the only reason they sold it to me at a $50,000 discount is because they're getting ready to lose their dream home. Exactly. So I had to pay cash. Oh, it would have been an even much sweeter deal at subject to but they wouldn't have okay. sold it to me at that price unless I had all cash yeah. to pay them off.
1: Of course. I love subject two, And that's, uh, well, we'll do that on a, another call, you know, for your listeners. So my question is this. What kind of terms did you get on the private money? 7%. But was it interest only? Was it, you know, were you making monthly payments? Was it accrued interest? Was it for
0: one year, yeah. five years? Yeah, yeah five so- years, interest only, quarterly payments. Quarterly payments. Excellent. So what is your payment on hundred K
1: that's $7,000 a year divided by 12 is, you know, what is that like five eighty five 85 a month? What's your payment?
0: Yeah, it's, it's like less than six. So right here, so it's 7,000 per year and okay. I got quarterly payments. And so I'm paying, well, to make, let's look at it on a monthly, because if you're looking at rent, you really exactly. got to look. You got to look at the monthly. So the outgo per month is five eighty three a month.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I said five eighty five. I was pretty close. So what I would do if you got five years, I me personally, I would just rent that sucker out. You got great terms on money. See, here is the thing: a deal becomes more valuable, and your model can change with different terms on money. Right? You can afford to pay a little bit more for a house if you have really good terms on the capital that you're using when you're paying too much for private money when you're paying a high interest rate and this and that, you're forced to pay a low ball price you have really good terms on money you got seven percent interest only you don't need quarterly payments you know you could rent that sucker out it's a really strong cash flow for yourself your payments 583 you're renting it for a thousand you got a boatload of equity that's what i would do is just rent it out if you wanted to do a rent to own kind of thing You could do that. I'm not a huge fan of the rent to own for several reasons. Number one is I rarely see them succeed, and I don't want to be part of a program that fails all the time. And number two, banks don't like that. If you want to refi this sucker in the future at some point, Jay, and put a 4% mortgage on it and pull out tax free money on a cash out refi, but you got an option recorded against this house, the bank's not going to feel comfortable lending to you. So in my world, I would just do a straight up rental to a qualified resident. And I would sit that renter down and let them know this house is in great condition. And if you mess this up, we are going to make sure you never rent from anyone ever again and scare the bejesus out of them. Cause that's kind of how you have to do this. You've got to make sure these people are taking care of your assets. But that's what I would do.
0: Awesome, man. Dave, I knew you'd have the answer. Oh, my lands, Dave. I can't believe it. We're already out of time. Mercy, I've got to have you back on the show for us to talk about actually how your conversation sounds. As an expert acquisitionist, when you're actually talking to a motivated seller. So will you come back, man? Let's do it. Yeah, Awesome. So one last question, and then we're going to give it out to everybody as to how folks can continue the conversation with you. What's your best advice for a new real estate investor that is looking to do their first deal and haven't done their first deal yet?
1: I would find somebody with similar core values who's in the business, somebody that you feel good about in your local market who is doing business and doing deals and you just feel good about this person, you've got to have the same core values, but then offer to add as much value as you possibly can to this person for free, for zero money, add as much value as you possibly can, you know, just for in exchange to learn and then show up every day and really show that you're committed. Any successful person in real estate, when we come across, and I'm sure you're the same way, Jay, If somebody approaches us and really wants to give it their all and and do it, we're happy to teach anybody and they don't have to pay anything. They just got to show that commitment. So I would say find somebody with similar core values who has what you're looking to create and offer to help them for free.
0: That's awesome, Dave. So Dave, I know we got a ton of people wanting to continue the conversation with you. How can they locate and follow Dave Parrachan? So the best
1: place to find me is on Instagram and you can reach me. Uh, My handle is at the real Dave P.
0: So at the real Dave P and that's P as in Payerton and take just a moment and tell folks uh, why they should follow you on Instagram. I love what you do there with the, with your videos. What's going on on your, what's going on on your Instagram? So
1: I'm a big real estate nerd like I think you are as well. It's easy to become a nerd about something when, you know, you become financially free and I am constantly talking about finance deals I still go on appointments. I still get contracts. I put three properties in contract last this past weekend. So I debrief all my appointments. I talk about what's working, what's not, where I mess up. I, I admit to my faults as well, but I'm always on there talking finance, real estate, deal structure, and it's all free. So I, I'm just a big real estate nerd at heart, and I'm happy to help as many people as I possibly can through my videos and whatnot.
0: Dave, my lands. It was awesome to have you on. I'm going to have you back on the show. Thank you so much, man, for coming.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jay Conner, the Private Money Authority. Be sure again, if you're on iTunes, give us a high star rating. Rate us a subscribe, rate and review. If you're on YouTube, be sure and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the content. So thank you for joining. And here's to taking your real estate investing business to the next level. We'll see you on the next show. Bye for now. Thank you.